Welcome to another edition of The Chat, where we talk about all things Chatham. We're really enjoying this podcast. We hope you're enjoying it too. My name is Catherine Glasby. I'm the Public Information Director here at Chatham County. Behind the scenes, our Wizard of Oz, behind the curtains, is Nick Beard, our senior uh, video producer. Hi, Nick. Good morning, everybody. Uh, he's that 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 person that kind of holds the show together and is the glue. Um, so we're really glad to have him here. You may hear him jump in occasionally and ask a question. Also with me today is Abby Murphy. Um, I'm the public information assistant here with Chatham County. And joining us today is Dr. Harper with Chatham County Animal Services. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? We're doing great. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So I've been, I'm a veterinarian. I've been a veterinarian for, wow, 17 years, since 2002. I'm at the University of Georgia. I grew up in North Georgia and moved to Savannah almost 12 years ago. While I was here, I was a private practice veterinarian for a while, and then I moved over to the to the public sector and worked at Animal Services for a little bit before I was promoted to director. Well, we are so glad to have you here. Uh, here. You've been on the podcast before. Uh, we talked about rabies vaccinations uh, the last time you were on. And this time we're going to talk about something a little bit more warm and fuzzy than than rabies and possible death if you get bitten. Um, vaccinate your animals, everyone. Absolutely. But today we're going to talk about adoptions. Um, so a lot of times people will tell me when I say, oh, well, you can go to animal services and adopt. They'll go, um, no, not at animal control. And I'm like, well, number one, it's not animal control. Right. It's animal services. Right. But you guys have a really large adoption center. We absolutely do. We have, wow, I'm trying to, I just blanked on the number, but we have th at least 36 runs in our adoption ward. Mm -hmm. So the, the way the process works is the animals that we pick up are they're turned into us if they're found like stray animals they have to undergo a stray hold mm -hmm. dogs it's five days cats it's three mm -hmm. after they've undergone that stray hold then we assess them for adoptions we examine them give them the proper vaccines rabies vaccine for one and we test them for our arms and we put them on the adoption floor and the adoption floor is one wing of the shelter where we allow the public to come in every day except wednesday to look for a dog to adopt, or a cat to adopt, and it's cat ward. And you guys house quite a bit of cats, too. We absolutely. We have our adoption floor would hold, we have two banks of nine cages, mm -hmm. so we can 18 at a time. We have other mobile cages that we can use depending on the population, so we can, you know, at any time, we can have anywhere from five cats to adopt to 35 or more. Wow. Typically, we have a lot more than that, just that are kind of in stages of being ready to adopt. I mean, that's that's a lot of animals. I It always amazes me when I come to animal services how many animals are brought in on a daily basis that are picked up on stray hold or um, animals that are surrendered right. um, to you um, for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes... People get a pet and they realize that they can't have the pet where they live or they just can't provide a good life for the pet. So they bring it to you guys to, to have it adopted by someone else. Right. Yeah. We're, we're the safety net for the community. I think that's, you know, there are other organizations out there that take in owner surrenders. There, there are lots of rescue groups. There's the you know, Greater Savannah Humane Society that also takes in owner surrender type things. 
where, like you said, financial reasons, health reasons, housing reasons, people can't afford or can't figure out how to hold on to their pets, so they're able to surrender them. Other places, typically, you know, there's a whole there's a process, mm-hmm. and what we usually ask people is, hey, try if if you know ahead of time what's going to happen, try to go through that process. Mm-hmm. But there, more times than not, people can't. So we're kind of there as a safe net to take in owner surrenders, and in most cases with owner surrenders, they once they surrender them to us, they become the property of Chatham County, which means we could put them after an assessment. Of course, mm-hmm. we can put them on the adoption floor immediately, so those dogs can go through the process a little bit quicker. Cats, for that matter, can go through the process quicker. They don't have to go through that three or five days. Absolutely. Hold. Yeah, they're, they're free to go whenever they want or whenever someone wants them. Well, and and uh, speaking of that, that stray hold, I'm, I'm curious. You said five days for dogs, three days for cats. Um, why the differences in days? And also, what are you doing during that time period? So the difference in days, some of it's turnover. Mm-hmm. About, because in the past, and this is, and something that we'd established, and we're actually looking into those stray holds to see what it is. It's established there because it's trying to, it's to give time for people to find their pets. Okay. You know, when someone brings a stray in, then we scan them for a microchip. If they don't mm-hmm. have a microchip, then we file, there's a lost pet report that we have that people can look or people can come through daily to walk through the shelter to look for their animals. Mm-hmm. Typically, that's, you know, that five days... Is relatively arbitrary. I'll be honest. It's okay. not something that was. It's not something. Typically, it's, it's statistical. Okay. That usually gives people enough time. You know, over the years, they found that giving long it doesn't change the return rate to have five days versus seven days versus fourteen days or what have you. In cats, typically, it's it's a little bit different. It's it's even less. Mm-hmm. Like for whatever reason. You know, cats are, you know, and that's the population of cats is so much that we want to try to turn them over more to try to get them out and adopt them. Yeah. Get them to another, you know, get them to a safe home. Okay. And I just lost my train of thought for a second. I am completely sorry. Um, Once an animal has completed that stray hold, um, then they're put on the adoption floor. Yes. And people can come in. From 1 to 4.30. 1 to 4.30. Every day except Wednesday. Yes, ma'am. So there are times on the weekends that they can come in. So if you have a family that wants to come in, um, you guys highly encourage families to come in together so that everybody gets to meet the animal. You make sure that, you know, everybody's going to do okay with the animal. What if, like, I I have dogs. So if I wanted to come adopt another dog, should I bring my dogs with me? So typically what what we ask is you come first just you mm-hmm. or just your family mm-hmm. and walk through the adoption adoption floor, determine, you know, find what you think might be the right fit. Once you decide on that, then arrange to bring your dog for what we call a meeting, meet and greet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I think it's important because we have, a, you know, we want that we want these adoptions to be as permanent as they possibly can be. Sure. And in a lot of cases, it's, you know, I find that if you, Adopt a dog, you take it home, you've never met another dog. It's at least you get an idea kind of how they react to each other mm-hmm. at, you know, at once, you know, just right away. That if they immediately try to fight each other, not a, not an ideal. Candidate. Right. Now, that's not going to say that you get them home and there's an issue at home because typically that's probably where the, the more important meet and greet part happens because that's where you have your the dog that you have to begin with has its territory mm-hmm. and you bring a new dog in. So it's still, 
there's still a transition period that you have to watch, mm-hmm. which is, you know, which is well, well and good with us because if you get them home and they don't mesh at home either, mm-hmm. they can still come back. Sure. You know, we're an open, we're an open admission shelter, which means if you show up with an animal, we take it. Right. You know, there are some occasions where we may not. One of the things we try not to do is we try not to take animals from outside Chatham County. Okay. We're Chatham County funded. If you live in Bryan County, if you live in Effingham County and you find a dog in those counties, you need to go to your respective shelter. We're not going to take those animals at our shelter. Um, we have occasions where we've had to meet at the county line, different animal services organizations mm-hmm. to turn over the animals so they can take them to their proper shelter because it's very important for a found animal to stay in the area that it is found for at least a you know at least a certain period of time to be sure. able to be found by the owner. Right. I, I mean, I think that's if I lived in Effingham County and my dog got out and ran away, I wouldn't think of looking at the shelter in Chatham County right. for my dog. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that is very important. Um, something we haven't talked about yet, and I think is probably really important if we want people to actually go to your, um, your animal shelter and, and adopt a dog. Where are you guys? So we're on Sally Mood behind the actual, behind the Humane Society. Mm-hmm. We're not associated with the Humane Society as far as adoptions and we're not, we're two separate entities, but we're right behind there. And if you know where the football fields are, the soccer, our softball fields are across the street. Um, the soccer complex, the soccer complex kind of surrounds us. Mm-hmm. But we're back and we're kind of tucked away a little bit. We're kind of we're kind of a hidden gem back there where people can find an animal. Absolutely, you're kind of you're surrounded by the Jennifer Ross uh, complex on on two sides. Yes, the uh, Humane Society on the front side and the Department of Health on yes, the other side. On the other side, absolutely. Um, so you're you're kind of nestled in the back there. You have to drive through uh, the area where the Humane Society is and go yeah, back through, their through parking the parking lot. Yeah, through the parking lot, and we have a gate to our facility. It has signs on it so people can find it. And we have a new sign out front at the road, you but do. we still, it's, it amazes me when I go out in public and talk about what I do and people say, well, wait a minute, you adopt animals? Like, yeah, we adopt animals. You know, we do, we do a lot of work with rescues where rescues will pull mm-hmm. animals from us because they have facilities and they do a lot of foster springs. We really try to keep, we try to minimize the length of stay in the shelter as much as possible. And unfortunately, the only way to do that is to work with these rescues and work with the Humane Society to get these animals out in the foster homes. They basically, we basically transfer them to their, to the rescue's care. Mm-hmm. They become a, their animal, basically, and they can adopt them out. But, and sometimes that means that we may not have a huge selection of various breeds. Right. But we do try to help. Unfortunately, we, we have so many that. Well, I guess, or fortunately, we have so many that there's still plenty to choose from when you come to the shelter. Absolutely. I mean, that's a, it's a good and a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So um, walk me through, if uh, someone wants to adopt, what do they need to bring with them? I know you said it's good to first bring your family. And then after that, if you are, if you've found a cat or a dog that seems like it will fit in well with your family um, to introduce it to your pet, if you have any, but do you need to bring ID? Um, and what kind of records are you right. providing? Oh, absolutely. Know, like so, that. so when you decide to come, you should have your IDs with you. You know, we, we look at IDs from address and things. Um, one of the mo- more important things, if you have other pets, we want you to bring their veterinary records. Okay. Really truly, the main thing that we look at is rabies vaccines. Yeah. But I will say that it's, you're adopting animals that we don't know the, the whole history of. 
So it may be worth ha- worth knowing. Hey, are your dogs? Is your dog vaccinated for distemper parvo? Is your cat va- vaccinated for FVRCP currently? Mm-hmm. Because those things are important things to know, and it's something we would like to know, just in case we have an issue with an adopted animal. But what we require is a form of ID, a rape, you know, the rabies status of any animals that you have, and that's pretty much it. Okay. And, and it. Go ahead. Get, oh, well, I was I was gonna say I know when you adopt a cat or dog. Um, you provide the rabies shots. Yes. Um, microchipping. Absolutely. Um, spay or neuter. Yeah. What we're doing with spays and neuters now is we've um worked to work to deal with the humans with pet fix. Mm-hmm. So when an animal is adopted from us, they are to the the, the adoptee schedules an appointment with pet fix to have them spayed or neutered depending on whether or not if they are not already. They may some of them may be. Okay. But if they're not, then they schedule an appointment with them, and we actually cover the cost of that with pet fix. Wow. I think that's a great thing. I mean, I, I just know from working with you, every time I would try to get in touch with you, they say, he's in surgery. He's in surgery. You guys have so many animals coming through the shelter that's getting adopted, which is a fabulous thing. Mm-hmm. But you are doing surgeries like nonstop. So right. this this deal with Pet Fix is really going to help you be able to spend more time doing other things that need to be done in the shelter. Yeah, I, I think the other the big thing about the shelter is it's not the shelter design is not someone that really lends itself to doing a high high volume spay neuter program. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's better to get it over, better get somewhere where it actually is designed to do that. And so they can do that. It also takes time for me to, you know, be able to more to focus on some of the other, you know, the health of the animals, you know, getting animals right, you know, processing processing for adoptions, those type things. So I think that's a great thing. Let's talk a little bit real quick, um, along with those spay neuters and the the rabies and any age of appropriate vaccinations. Um, that could be heartworms for dogs if they're over seven months old. Right. Um, that can be the FIV, F-E-L-P? Did v. I get V. Yes. Oh, I always get it wrong. Um, but also the microchip. Let's right. talk about microchips real quick. Why are they important? So microchips are important to eliminate them coming to the animals coming to the shelter. Yeah. When an animal comes in as a stray or someone brings it in, we have scanners that we scan for microchips. You scan for the microchip. Hopefully it's registered to a, a, a the registration is current. Because what typically what happens with microchips is the microchips in, is implanted into the animal. You're given the number. You're given a website to go to to actually register them. When you adopt an animal from us, that process is taken care of with the adoption process. Because when we put all of your information into for the adoption into our system, that microchip is automatically registered to you. So you will be getting phone calls and probably emails from the company mm-hmm. of the microchip to, you know, sometimes they ask for, you know, if you want to change, you know, if your address is correct or do you want to add any additional services, whether it's pet insurance, whether it's something else. So they already have that. If the microchip is done somewhere else, a lot of that is put out on the put on the person. And people don't realize this, where mm-hmm. you go to a veterinarian or you go to like a mobile clinic or wherever and get a microchip, that microchip is just a number of the dog. And then you have to actually go in and register. And sometimes not only do you register, that's something else that people don't think about is when you move mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or you change contact information, people get new cell phones, new numbers, whatever. Then that information that sometimes we get what we call a dead end microchip where we have a microchip, but the only thing that we know is that it was implanted on January 7th mm-hmm. at somewhere in Florida. Mm-hmm. Right. So we don't have any contact information for this. So that's important. 
And I think, you know, that's important with all, you know, just with microchipping in general to try to, I think it, if an officer goes out and finds a dog somewhere and, you know, like a stray dog and he picks them up, they scan them on the truck. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they're able to go into their, into the system and their computer and their, in their truck, find the owner of the dog there. And they never actually come to the shelter. Oh, that's oh, awesome. Wow. So that's kind of the idea of having as many animals in Chatham County as we have microchipped is they either, they may come to the shelter, but they stay for a day. Right. Or they don't come to the shelter at all when we have officers pick them up. Or if someone picks them up in public and they you know, they live by a veterinarian, mm-hmm. they can swing by their veterinarian, have them scanned, they can contact you, and they don't sure. have to come to us. I think that's a, a great thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, it used to be, I can remember years ago, getting a microchip was kind of a expensive process, and it was a little bit more involved. I've watched you do it a number of times now. It's just a quick little, it's almost like a shot. Yes. And it goes in kind of in the back of the right neck. In the back behind, you know, right between the shoulder blades. And it's a quick and easy procedure. And most animals tolerate it pretty well. And it's, if you, you can get it at a spay neuter, or excuse me, not a spay neuter clinic, a rabies clinic a lot of times that you yes. guys do. It's like $20, $25. are 20 usually. And, um, or you can go to your vet's office and get it. Um, I know from experience, the, the dog that I've gotten through the animal services shelter um, the service that, that it was registered with, they actually send me an email every year um, on her anniversary of when I adopted her. And they ask me, is everything correct still? Right. Um, and gives me that option. Uh, my other dog was, was um, microchipped through a different organization because um, I adopted him through a rescue. And I don't get that option with him, but I can go in and change it if I need to. But I just think it's really neat that that particular group every year they send me an yeah. email and it just says hey is all your information correct on Lorena and right. I'm like oh yes everything's good so I don't I get that yearly reminder yeah um, we had when we first moved to Savannah we had a, la- a black lab and a little white chihuahua and the white chihuahua would always try to get out and run away the lab was my dog from like six weeks old so she really didn't leave me mm-hmm. at all but the chihuahua was just he did whatever he wanted to do <laughs> and we lived in ardsley and came home one day and the dogs were gone oh no and i had microchip i'd microchip those dogs myself but and the, the reason that i know about registration is because i can speak from experience they had microchips but the microchips went back to alfred animal hospital where i worked when i was Oh, when I've been microchipped them, we never registered them. Yeah. So we were in the lesson. They ended up like going some ladies, you know, some lady had them. We put them on. This was before mm-hmm. Facebook. I think mm-hmm. this was, you know, I don't even remember how. I don't remember how we found. I don't remember the process that we did, but the, it was some lady found them and we got the dogs back. But we registered them. Mm-hmm. And then Manny disappeared again later. And we had his microchip registered and we knew where he was and they took him and scanned him and they could get back to us. So, That's awesome. And he was kind of a, he was a runner. He was only <laughs> this big and he could get through any fence. And if you let him outside and weren't watching him, here we go. One time he actually, I, I looked outside. It was when we were in Savannah. I looked outside and there were hawks circling. Oh, he was outside. No. He was outside with Annabelle. Yeah. She was the lab. And I remember just thinking, we need to get him inside because... That's not good because he's only three pounds. Yeah. My my mother-in-law has chihuahuas and that's one of the things that um, was ingrained into me when I first became a part of that family was if you go out with the dogs, you're right with them because right. they're, 
anywhere from three to seven pounds and it's nothing for a hawk or an eagle to come by and swoop them up and then they're gone. Yeah. Um, so. I had a patient once where it had, it was a, do- a small one, a mini dachshund. Mm-hmm. And they came in, he had wounds on it, like just weird sores on his back. And the lady couldn't figure out why. She's like, I don't know what happened. She's like, we have a chain link fence, but he, there's nowhere that, that you know, because at the right. bottom they had the mm-hmm. little sharp yeah. edges. She was, there's no way it could happen. And I'm like, she's like, he could, they thought that he had gone around the house too fast and caught his back mm-hmm. on like the little downspouts. Mm-hmm. But there were three of them. Mm-hmm. There were two on one side and one on the other. And I remember thinking, just looking at him and I just kind of, as a, kind of put my hand on it. I'm like, oh. Talons. Those yeah. Talons. And I asked her, I said, where do you, do you like live in an open air? She said, oh yeah, we have no trees in our backyard. This was yeah. when I lived in Atlanta. And I'm like, that's a bird. Yeah. So he, and she couldn't believe it. So then she went home and she called me and I think she said, yeah, so we've got a big, a couple of hawks that kind of fly around our neighborhood a lot. So I'm uh-huh. pretty sure that's what it was. Every time we, I, I talk about something like this, it reminds me of the movie, The Proposal with, um, I think it was the proposal with Sandra Bullock. Yeah. They're in Alaska and she's trying to fight with the hawk to get the little dog back. And she finally throws a cell phone at it. That's the only image right. I can have in my mind. Um, but it, it's a real thing. I mean, people do have to be, oh, to be very careful of that. But getting back to our original purpose yeah. here, adoptions, <laughs> that's okay. This is a podcast. We can get a little off topic. Um, I think it's important too for people to know that you're probably one of the um, most reasonable priced adoption places. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's $10 for a cat or a kitten, $70 yes. for a dog or a puppy, and mm-hmm. then a $5 rabies registration tag fee. Yes. So for $75, you can adopt a dog or $15, you can adopt a cat. You guys often run specials as well, where you'll do either half price or you'll do a free adoption. Absolutely. Um, but you still get all those things that you, you would have gotten. You still get all the same things. And it's more, we, I hate to say it, but we're kind of in a volume business. So we mm-hmm. try, we're trying to get the animals out of the shelter. Yeah. And we try to eliminate that price as kind of a, a you know, a, a negative thing to, mm-hmm. you know, something, something inhibits people from adopting. That doesn't mean, you know, one of the things I have to say here, and you know, I find a lot and it's, it's frustrating as a veterinarian is that, and it, this doesn't just happen with shelter dogs. It's always happened, but people don't seem to get that just because they have their rabies, just because we've given rabies vaccines, distemper vaccines, the Parvo mm-hmm. and, the, and the Bordetella vaccines, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't establish a relationship with a veterinarian and get yearly veterinary care. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. It doesn't excuse from that. I have a lot of times where people get that. Well, he's had all those shots. Well, yeah, he had all those shots when he was six months old. Yeah. That uh-huh. doesn't, it's not like a, it's not like people where you don't, uh-huh. you know, we get vaccines when we're younger and then at, at some point we stop getting them. Dogs need veterinary care. They need to have exams. They need to have things that happen every year. And, you know, the biggest thing that we see, and this is something that, you know, happens a lot is people adopt, you know, because of the volume that we do in some of the adoptions, like they're not always spayed or neutered before they leave. Right. And then we'll come back and find, hey, you know, you adopted the dog in January and you're, it's March, April, and you still haven't had, you know, we still don't have record you've come in. You didn't come back for your appointment. Mm-hmm. And so people tend to, you know, I think people tend to forget, even though they signed a contract and everything sure. else, they tend to forget. And I think, 
And that's one of the things when you do adopt animals from us, it is required that they be spayed or neutered either by us or by someone else within 30 days. Right. Or age appropriate type stuff. If right. we adopt a dog out that's 10 weeks, you know, it's 12 weeks old, you know, a puppy, we tend to let them go a little bit longer, you know, uh-huh. depending on the group, depending on what they want to do as far as pediatric neuter and spay uh-huh. neuter, they may not do it, but they have, they're required to be spayed or neutered. Right. And, and I think that is important to remember that it just, if you have a reason because they're, they're too young, um, you guys are going to be like, okay, well, let's make that appointment from, for three months from now or two right. months from now. Um, cause you, you obviously don't want to spay or neuter too young because it's, it's too hard for the animal to go under anesthesia right. and those kinds of things, but it's important to spay neuter. And let's talk about why it's important to spay neuter. I alluded to this in, in another podcast that we did on, on rabies. Um, we have a community problem with an overpopulation of domestic animals. Yes. We take in, on average, 12 animals a day. That's wow. a lot. So, and the majority, I would say, you know, sometimes the numbers are hard, but 90, 90% of them are not spayed or neutered. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's a huge issue. And I think it's, you know, it's a multifactorial. There are, other, there are a lot of things involved in that. But the big thing is, they're not... We need to get them, you know, we don't want to adopt them out. We don't want them leaving there for adoptions without being spayed or neutered. We have an ordinance in place that requires, you know, if we pick up a stray and it's reclaimed, mm-hmm. it's not required to be spayed or neutered until we pick it up on the third time. Oh. So like if you have a stray dog that's not neutered, we, it's picked up stray. Mm-hmm. Then you can typically take it, if you pay all your fees and fines and everything else, you can reclaim your dog the first time. It's microchipped. Mm-hmm. So that we can track that dog. Sure. But it's not, you know, the ordinance doesn't require us to spay or neuter them until it's the, th- you know, like your three strike thing. Where the third time, it cannot leave the third time without being neutered. That being said, we have, what I try to do is, we talk, to, we try to educate them. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of times it's financial. Sure. Where they just couldn't afford it. Or it's, or it's an education thing where they just didn't know. So we try to educate them and tell them that there are options, and and a lot of times we work something out so that we will you know that we'll neuter them before they leave mm-hmm. or spay them before they leave so that we have those because not only is it a pet overpopulation problem where they're out breeding but mm-hmm. animals that aren't spayed or neutered tend to have you know, males tend to roam more right so if you have a male dog that's not neutered they're not just gonna they don't they become more territorial. They will try to get out and try to run around the neighborhood. Um, you know, female dogs that come into heat attract male dogs. So that if you have a female dog in the heat that you just keep out in your backyard, you're more than likely going to have male dogs that are loose in the neighborhood come around your yard. And that creates a problem where, you know, you have male dogs competing for a female. They become aggressive. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, a, it's a public safety type thing. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the, re- that's one of the reasons Spaniards, because it keeps those specific animals out of the shelter percentage wise. Right. The other part about Spaniard is just to decrease the population in general because there are too many. And I, I think sometimes people don't understand that a cat um, can have babies like three times a year. Yes. And every time it has babies, those females 
within three or four months can have babies. Within, yeah, within four, four to six typically. And what the scary thing is, is I can remember, and this has been, you know, not long ago, where there was a kitten season. Mm-hmm. Spring. Yep. Kitten season. We would be out, you know, as been Aaron, you know, oh, that's where all the people bring it. Oh, my cat had a kitten. Why don't you spay it? You have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is before my animal service days, but we had a kitten season. That doesn't happen that much anymore. We have kittens year round. Yeah. And we have, I mean, you have kittens right now, foster kittens that are newborns. And, you know, we have kittens brought in all the time. Cats come in pregnant. You're like, oh, it's October. What happens? And they just, because cats multiply. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest, you know, that's, that's the biggest issue with, with any animals. She's not spaying. Now there is, there's always been talk about mandatory spay and neuter and how Mm -hmm. mandatory spay and neuter should, would decrease population, decrease shelter intake and everything else. And I, I would say that that's not necessarily the case in a lot of these things, because what mandatory spay and neuter does is put a financial responsibility on people that may not be able to handle it. Okay. Yeah. So in a lot of communities that I've you know, I've done some research and looked into where they've done man tried to put in mandatory spay and neuter, it's increased the shelter population. Because wow. what happens is and I have this happen on almost I don't want to say daily basis, but you have you take an animal and you say it has to be spayed or neutered before it leaves. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't afford that. Right. So then you have another animal that they surrender to the shelter. I've had, and I think that's, it goes back to education. You know, I won't say education. I can't say it enough, but I had a conversation with a guy yesterday where he had a dog that was, he just found it at the shelter. Okay. It'd been there for almost two weeks. Uh-huh. He couldn't afford all the fines and fees. Okay. And we were trying to, you know, okay, well, how about this? I don't want to take your dog. Let's spare it. Let's neuter. It's a male. Let's neuter the dog. Mm-hmm. We'll basically turn it into an adoption. Mm-hmm. So we neuter the dog. You pay a significantly lower amount. We neuter the dog. You take it home. I don't want to neuter the dog. What do you mean you don't want to neuter? I, nope. I don't want him. If you want to, if you're going to have to neuter him to give him back to me and I can't afford, and I can't afford this and I don't, I don't want him. Wow. So and that, and I think that's the mentality of, I don't want to say a lot of people, but I think that there is that part of it where people, yeah. you know, we have to get out and do education and do things to, to teach people. I mean, I, it's about Aaron, we, we would see it all the time where people were just not on board with neutering or spaying. You know, the, the, the female, if they had a female, they said, oh, I want to let them have a litter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let my kids see them have, you know, the miracle of, of birth. Life. Yeah. And I, I, I see that, but I also don't see that. And I, you know, I think sure. that that's, you know, there, you can watch that on TV. Right. If you want yeah. if that's what you want to show them, that's what you can, you can watch that on TV. You're not living on a farm. Right. Where you're having, you know, you have all these animals. You're living in a, you know, a, an urban environment, a suburban environment where there's overpopulation problems. And what are you going to do with those puppies when they're. That's what I'm wondering. Cause right. that, that would be a huge expense itself to have puppies or kittens and have to. You know, maybe you have to bottle feed some of them. I mean, you never right. know. So that could be an, an additional large expense, whereas yeah. if you had just been spay or neutered, yeah. And I can tell you, you don't want to have to bottle feed. Um, oh, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm brain dead at this point. I'm bottle feeding four kittens every three hours. Um, so I'm brain dead at this point. So I, I that is not something you want to do. Um, but I, it just amazes me that anybody who 
would want a unneutered male dog in their house that's more than a puppy. Um, my male dog was not neutered until he was four. Right. Um, that was not through me. I got him when he was five from a rescue. And I can assure you that I will be home this weekend scrubbing my carpets because he marks everywhere. Right. And some of that is because he did not get neutered at an appropriate age. Um, and I just can't quite figure out why people would want to live in that because my house stinks all the time. Right. Um, so that's, that's not something that I want to do. Um, but I do know people that, you know, they're like, well, you know, it changes their behavior when they spay or neuter them. Yeah, I'm not sure I believe that. My I dogs mean, are pretty it, much the same. Right. I mean, it can change it for the better in some yeah. cases. Maybe some, in most cases, I think it changes it for better. I know in male dogs, like you said, marking can happen. Mm. I think it's not far-fetched to say that most dogs, that neutered dogs aren't as, that neutered males aren't as aggressive. Right. Not that they may be, you know, not that they may be aggressive, but the first the first step I would ever take as a veterinarian, if I had a client come to me and say, my dog is acting aggressive toward X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. the question I'd ask, is it neutered? Right. If it's not neutered, that's the, before we do anything else, he Try needs that. to be neutered. Yeah. I mean, that because that's sense. Because you take away testosterone, you take, that's, that's what happens with these. And that's, you know, you don't want to start using medications and training and stuff on a dog if you have that. You know, kind of the elephant in the room. Right. Because you're fighting the biology then. Right. Exactly. And I think, you know, that's, you know, and as a veterinarian, I also know the science behind it. And I know that with female, the when you start talking about female dogs and spaying, spaying them, there's a lot of controversy out there now about, well, then they get fat and then they have joint problems and then the changes in metabolism and it shortens their life and la, 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 la. And I, I see those things and you prevent, but when you... Neuter, when you spay a female dog, you prevent breast cancer mm-hmm. and you prevent any problems as far as, you know, uterine problems later in life. I, mm-hmm. I can't tell you the amount of times I've had little, little chihuahuas that come in that have been sick for three months mm-hmm. on and off. And now they're really sick and about to die. And they have a uterine infection because they came, went into heat and got oh. an infection. And now it's cycling and like it won't get any better. And their, their, their oh. uterus becomes right. full of infection. You have to take it out and it's an emergency surgery where yeah. it could have been. Right. A routine surgery earlier in their life. Sure. So there are significant health benefits like cancer prevention, infection prevention in females. Males, you prevent testicular cancer if you neuter them. Wow. But because they don't have them. Yeah. Right. But some of the other things, it's not as, it's not as a huge health benefit for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's not the argument that you sometimes make. The biggest thing is, um, as a veterinarian, I saw a lot of dogs hit by a car. Mm-hmm. And probably ninety percent of them were unneutered male dogs because they like they to roam, run. as you said. Like, so they yeah. run around. Mm-hmm. So that's one. I mean, that's a health benefit. You know, it's not something. It's more anecdotal than scientific and medical. But yeah, that's what I see. And mm-hmm. so that's one of the things I would talk to people about. You know, but you always have like the you know it's usually the the man in the house that didn't want the dog to be neutered. Oh, okay. And yeah, that's more of a psychological thing for him, not necessarily for the dog. So yeah, I, I like to say happier. spay and neuter them, spay and neuter your cats, and spay and neuter your dogs because that it keeps them healthier longer and it helps reduce the community. The, yeah, it helps reduce that population. Um, one more question for you before we have to wrap up. Um, I know other shelters have this, so I'm assuming you guys do um, a volunteer program or a snuggler program. We have a volunteer program where we have people come on the weekends Mm -hmm. to walk animals and walk them around. It's not as robust as I want it to be. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
and we're, we're kind of working to try to figure out options to make it more robust. Because I'll be honest, I think that part of that is being an open admission shelter and being, you know, taking, we take in a lot of animals. Mm-hmm. And it's not, some people don't like, I mean, that's part of the reason why people don't come to animal services to adopt animals is they don't like the the kind of the cloud that hangs over us as far sure. as euthanasia goes. Right. And I think that kind of affects some of the, affects some of that. But I think if we take it into, as we're moving forward and trying to increase adoptions, which we've done pretty significantly over the last year, and we've done a lot of more transfers and mm-hmm. some of those, you know, what we like to, you know, what we call its live release rates mm-hmm. have gone up. Mm-hmm. And the next step is to get a robust adoption program going, get a robust volunteer program going that people can come to volunteer to help basically improve the lives of the animals that are there mm-hmm. because I think part of our issue with animals that spend a lot of time in the shelter is they become stir crazy. Sure. You know, they don't know what to do. There's no stimulation and having volunteers walk, you know, get out there, walk them, interact with them can help that. And I think, you know, having more, you know, having more volunteers is a, is a good thing. So if people are interested in volunteering, they can go to your website, find a little bit more about the volunteer Absolutely. program, contact you guys, fill out an application, and you'll get back with them. Yep. Um, they're always needing volunteers. I know when I've been there for, for various events on the weekend, and I tend to, to want to work the cat room because I'm a, I'm a cat person. I love my dogs, but I'm a cat person. Um, but just having that ambassador there to help people as they come in the door right. and say, you know, this one loves to be held like this, or this right. one loves to have its ears rubbed or that kind of thing. It really helps with those adoption rates. Absolutely. So if you think, if you're listening to this and you think, you know, I could go be a cat snuggler and, and help it get adopted. Um, I could go help with the dogs getting some socialization by helping them uh, get them out and, and walk them and, love on them a little bit. We really encourage you to be a part of this program and, and help these animals. Absolutely. Final thoughts, Abby? Oh, uh, one quick question. When yes. you're approved to be a volunteer, do you have to go to like an informational session first before you can get out on the floor and work with the animals? Yes. There's a training session. It's, the way it's set up now is you do, you volunteer with the county there is a kind of orientation mm-hmm. and then you get a, you, a drug screen and a background check. Okay. And once that's done, you're a volunteer. Great. And then you talk to, you know, our volunteer coordinator can kind of set you up for when you can come, what you do and those kind of things. Okay. Wonderful. Cool. Awesome. So Wizard of Oz over there, do you have any <laughs> final thoughts? Um, I was going to ask uh, Dr. Harper, you were talking earlier about, um, I guess, one of the animals that you had to do an emergency surgery on. For new pet owners that never own a pet, what, I guess, kind of signs and symptoms can they look for in their pet? Since obviously your pets can't talk to you the same way humans can to let you know they're sick, what can a new pet owner look, what kind of signs can they look for to know their pet may be ill in some way? I I think any sort of change in behavior. I think, you know, what I always, you know, the, the first questions you always ask, are they eating the same? Are they drinking the same? What does their stool look like? Mm -hmm. Um, and what's their behavior? Like people can kind of get in tune with their animals pretty quickly, and they know like if they're acting really active one day and then the next day they're not, mm-hmm. then that's a big thing. You know, you know, limping. You know, they don't necessarily limp. You know, maybe you have a dog that barks all the time, and all of a sudden it stops barking. That may be a problem. Any any change in behavior is is the key, and that's one of the things. You know, 
we were talking about it with adoptions, and a lot of times people come in that may adopt an animal, and they may be a first-time pet owner, they may have, or they may have hadn't had a pet for a while, they may have other pets. It's different. You know, I the dogs that I always have, and this is, I, I've kind of avoided adopting a lot of older animals just because it's been the way I, I, I had a dog that I got when it, she was eight weeks old, and she lived to be 16, so I never really, I didn't want to have another dog in that situation. And then the other dog we got was when my baby daughter, like, came to the clinic where I worked and said dog for the first time. So she had to have, you know, it was a mm-hmm. puppy that we were seeing. Yeah. So it's like, I guess we need to get one of those puppies. It's a chihuahua, <laughs> but I don't really want a chihuahua. But she just said dog. And yeah. so I had to talk to the lady about getting the dog. Anyway, <laughs> so, we, you know, and we adopted a dog at one point from animal services. Uh-huh. Uh, six or seven years ago that ended up, we had, you know, things changed. The didn't react with the kids very well. It didn't like the chihuahua very much. And we had to be, be another way. I actually, a friend of mine took him. Anyway, I think that where I was trying to get with this, I think, is <laughs> having an, adopting a dog from a shelter, there's an adjustment period. Uh-huh. And there's an adjustment period as far as like their diet. Mm-hmm their activity levels, a lot of different things. And though this adjustment period can last from anywhere from days to weeks to months. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes they're in a shelter situation for a reason. Right. And we may not know that reason because whoever brought them to us is a surrender didn't tell us or we didn't know because he was picked up as a stray. And so those things can kind of come out later. So what's really important with that is just, you know, you get a dog from us. I'm a veterinarian. I did veterinary stuff with it when it was in the shelter, but I'm not your veterinarian. Right. So establishing a relationship with a veterinarian to know, to get a baseline for what we're doing with the dog then or the cat mm-hmm. and moving forward with that veterinarian so they can help you. I get calls all the time. like, Hey, did so-and-so do this at the shelter? I'm like, I mean, it was in a, was it the best one is, was he housebroken? Like, well, we have, if you guys haven't been to the shelter, it's there. The dogs are in what they it's in an indoor outdoor run, and there's what they call a guillotine door in between them, so they can go inside to outside, mm-hmm. inside the building, and then outside the building it's still covered, but it's technically outside. It's not like a house where they go out to a yard to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So when someone calls us, say they've had a dog for two weeks, I, I this dog's not housebroken. Well. We didn't know that because it hasn't been in a house. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's kind of things. But those are the big things. It's like knowing what the behavior is, establishing with a veterinarian. And to answer your question, I think it, it is. It's any change in behavior. You get a dog at home, they should eat, two or th- you know, they should eat, drink, plenty of water. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of establish those those norms. And when they change the norms, that's when you start to worry. Gotcha. I think that's a, that's a good way of, of looking at it. Um, any final thoughts for you for the day? Um, just spay and neuter your pets. That's. I mean, I see only positives there yeah. for yeah. why yeah. you would want to do that. So many benefits for the pets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that you can adopt from animal services. We're there every day except Wednesday. The phone, you can call us on the phone. You can send an email. You know, we have the animals that are up for adoption typically are on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times you can respond on Facebook page and you'll get a response. The best way to do it is to email, whether it's the general email. Sometimes there's a, you can go through the website and get to the general email, sure. which we all see that we can respond to. Um, but I will say that the biggest, you know, you can talk to somebody on the phone, but come visit, mm-hmm. especially if you've lost an animal. I think that's why I can't stress more than anything. We get lots of calls where people are saying, hey, Fluffy's been missing for three days. 
do you have Fluffy? And I mean, people will ask us like the dog answers to Fluffy. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, well, yeah, you should come here. Yeah, yeah. Like we're there every day with these animals. We kind of know what they look like, but you know what your dog looks like. You're the best judge, and we can have a picture or something on the website. But for you to come and walk through, because if you come to the shelter and look for a lost animal, we walk through the whole shelter, mm-hmm. not just the adoption floor. So you can actually look for your animal. So I think that's the biggest thing is knowing, you know, if there's any doubt, come see us. And I think come see us if there is. <laughs> And just come see us. Just yeah. come see us. Um, come see us. 7211 Sally Mood Drive. Uh, you guys are open from 1 to 4.30. 1 to 4.30. Uh, every day except Wednesday. Every day except Wednesday. And, and you're also now on Instagram. I just wanted to mention we that. I just Instagram. got an Instagram account. I'm slow working, slowly working on it. I'm learning all the ins and outs. But we'll be there. Yeah. And I just want to leave people with one final thought. Um, it's a personal story. About a year and a half ago, um, as your public information officer, you guys asked me to put out a a press release on two dogs that were left at the shelter. They were left at the gate in the middle of the night in a crate in the rain. And they were um, dogs that looked like they had been owned. Um, So you guys wanted to make sure that people, if the owner was out there, that they knew that the dogs were at the shelter. So we had put out a press release just because it was a strange situation And, um, you guys sent me a picture and it was a beautiful hound and a cute little Boston Terrier. And I, I immediately called, um, Jody, um, who's the assistant director. And I said, if there's no one who comes forward, um, that wants that little Boston Terrier, um, I want to look into adopting it. And that was on a Monday. And on Wednesday, I happened to be at the shelter for something else. And she said, come meet the Boston Terrier. And I was like, it's not off at stray hold yet. I don't want to get attached. And she said, ah, just come meet it. And I was like, oh, I'm in love. So I went home and I said, hey, honey, we're going to adopt a Boston Terrier this weekend, possibly. And he was like, we don't need a dog. And my husband's a dog person. He said, we don't need a dog. I said, okay. So Saturday morning we got up and I knew that the dog was still there and uh, no one had come forward to, to own the dog that was the owner of the dog. Right. And I said to my husband, I said, we're going to go over to animal services and you're going to meet this dog and just see what you think. You don't, we don't have to bring her home. Just see what you think. And we got there and we got to meet her. And at first she was kind of a little bit hyper running around the room and he was kind of sort of playing with her. And I went out to talk to to one of the, the ladies that works at the shelter, Beth, and I walked back in and that dog was in his arms and I thought, okay, she's going home with us. But I let him just sit there for a few minutes and Beth came in and she said, so do you guys want to fill out some paperwork? And he goes, well, she sure isn't staying here. She's going home with me. <laughs> so I guess that that means we have to fill out paperwork. Um, and we, we took her home that night and um, talking about behaviors that are different for seven days. She was just very quiet, very reserved. And then when she got safe, when she felt safe in our house, she started barking. She started playing. She became the the little devil that she is. Um, she, she's kind of crazy. Um, we, we often say, Hey, Lorena, you remember those seven days that you didn't bark? Right. Um, but I say all this to say that dog is the light of our life. Um, she, she is my husband's best friend and companion. You can go to the shelter and adopt an animal that will be the center of your family. Um, and people need to come out and do it. Mm -hmm. Um, don't, don't do it because, oh, well, I need to get a dog for the holidays for my, my, my family. 
get right. it because you want to have an animal in your life. Yeah. Absolutely. Have that companionship. And actually my, my dog is from um, animal services as well. My, my husband adopted her. Um, and yeah, she, she is the light of our lives as well. Like she's just a big fluff ball and has brought so much joy to us. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here. Thank Go you. out, adopt some animals from, from animal services. Um, if you need more information, visit our website, chathamcounty.gov. Go to residents, and it's the very first thing to, to get to right. your website. And we encourage everybody to do that. Join us again next time on The Chat.